And God, we are so thankful for you. We are here this morning to worship and lift up the name of Jesus. The fact that we have a God who wasn't willing to be satisfied with separation, but that he would make a way where there seemed to be no way. That he would die on our behalf and through him, we can have freedom. And that's what we celebrate today. What I wanna do right now is, is just take a moment and pray for us. See, because I realize you may have come in on this Easter Sunday and it doesn't look, it, it may be a little sunny outside, but in your life, it's pretty cloudy. You've got chaos going on all around you. And what you need more than ever is to hear from God clearly. And so we're gonna pray that every distraction would be removed and that your heart would be open to whatever God has for you today. Will you join me in prayer? God, we love you so much. We thank you for sending Jesus for us. Today we're in this room with expectant hearts, open to what you have. We remove every distraction and we believe and proclaim that through your spirit, we'll hear from you louder than ever. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. High five somebody around you as you sit down. Tell them happy Easter. It is so great to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I want to say welcome. It is an honor to have you spend Easter with us here at Propel Church, and we don't take that privilege lightly. I want to say thank you, especially if it is your first time. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to spend Easter Sunday with you. We consider it a blessing. And the only thing that we'd ask from you is that at some point during the worship experience today, you'd take a second and you'd fill out this card. It's got some information about you on the front. Maybe you need prayer or just you can indicate that you are a first-time guest. But on the back, it's what you'll see is a 2019 Easter survey. We do a series every year here at Propel Church called You Asked For It, and we build it based on what you request on this weekend. We try not to shy away from any topic, and so if there's things that you want to learn about, indicate that on the card for us, and we will uh, prepare as we get ready for that series in the fall. But again, if it is your first time with us, we say thank you. We consider it an honor. Church, can you help me welcome every person here for the first time? So we're excited for today. I believe that God has some incredible things in store for each and every single one of us. I want you to know that if you're here today and you're skeptical about this Jesus thing, that's okay. Propel Church is a place where you can belong before you believe. We even like to say, you can belong before you behave. Can I get a good? We're excited that you're here and And what I want to do is I don't want to assume that we know the story of Jesus. I want to bring us up to speed with where we're going to find the passage of text today. And so in order to to understand the story of Jesus, you and I actually have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God created you and I to live in perfection with him, to walk hand in hand with him, to dwell with him. But then sin enters into the world. And as sin enters into the world, there's immediately separation between God and man. God didn't desire for us to be separated from him, so he builds a system. And in that system, what they would do is they would sacrifice animals, innocent animals, in order to have temporary access to God. So they would sacrifice an animal, and a priest would have a couple of moments with God. 
And over and over and over again, they would have to make sacrifice after sacrifice. But God knew that was not the way he designed the system. A permanent sacrifice had to come. Because what we celebrate at Christmas is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And at Christmas time, we celebrate the fact that God took form of man and he came to earth to live a sinless life. Then John 3.17 goes on to say that he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you feel like God's desire is to condemn you, let me tell you there's nothing further from the truth. God's desire is for you to be in relationship with him. That's the whole reason why Jesus came. And so as Jesus is living this sinless life, there were religious leaders who would falsely accuse him, who would speak bad about him. The people who were closest to him would betray him. He had a disciple by the name of Judas that would betray him and lead him to being arrested. And as he's being arrested, he's standing at the first trial. And they can't really find anything wrong with him, but it's at this trial that not only is one of his closest 12 friends betrayed him, but one denies him, saying, I never knew him. Jesus would leave that moment and you and I know that he's heading to the cross to be punished for sins he didn't commit. And on his way to the cross, there seems to be an interruption in the story. But I believe it's no coincidence that it happens. If you have a Bible, Luke chapter 23, we pick up the story as Jesus is heading to die. He's on trial and there's a man by the name of Pilate who is leading this. Pilate says this about Jesus You brought me this man as one who's inciting the people to rebellion. I've examined him in your presence, and I I found no basis for your charges against him, and neither is Herod. So he sent him back to us. As you can see, he's done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But then the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas has been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. So two people in the story to start this out. The first one we have, Jesus. Nobody can find anything wrong with Jesus. Pilate can't find anything wrong with him. In fact, four times Pilate tries to prove that he can't find anything wrong with him. He he says that hey, the Jews should settle their own problems in John chapter 18. He, he goes on to say in, in Luke that Herod couldn't find fault with him. He, he says, well, what if I just kind of, you know, beat him up a little bit and then let go of him? Pilate can't find anything wrong with Jesus. But then we find some interesting things out about our friend Barabbas. Now, we don't have a lot of information other than what Scripture tells us, but this, for a moment, is going to represent the canvas of Barabbas's life. Here's what we do know, however old Barabbas is. He is uh, the leader of an insurrection and a rebellion. In this moment, we find out that Barabbas is a troublemaker. He's a thug and, and a rebel. Guys, little thug friends, and they're just creating chaos in the city. An insurrection is a rebellion to overthrow authority. We know that Barabbas is a rebel. He's a thief, and he's found himself in prison. Now, we don't know if this isn't, we don't think it's an isolated incident for our friend Barabbas because he's in prison and he's been arrested for it. 
He's probably the guy who, you know, you went to school with him. He threw firecrackers in the toilet, right? That's Barabbas, the gangster, the thug, the rebel. He tried to fight you because you took his chicken nuggets. Like, this is Barabbas, leader of an insurrection. But it goes a step further to tell us he's not only that. Barabbas is a murderer. He's got blood on his hands. And if he's the leader of an insurrection that's been charged with murder, he not only has blood on his hands, but he's abused his authority and power. Barabbas is guilty. We see that Barabbas' life is, is not a life that's clean. It's, it's actually a life that's covered in filth and in faults and mi- mistakes. Barabbas is a guilty man. Jesus is completely innocent. And this is the trial that we see Jesus on. Jesus is standing beside a man who is guilty, filled with fault and flaws. Some of y'all are like, he's an artist. (laughs) Barabbas' life is covered in mess, covered in mistakes and guilt and shame and Poor decisions. Barabbas is guilty. Jesus, he's not guilty. He hasn't done anything wrong. Pilate even says so in John chapter 18, verse 38. He says, for I have found no basis for a charge against him. I can't find anything wrong with him. I've looked at his life. Herod's looked at his life. Nobody can figure out why in the world you're trying to charge Jesus. But what was customary at Passover was to release a prisoner. And so in this moment, they have two options. The people can choose Jesus, spotless, clean, innocent Jesus, or Barabbas, the filthy crook, criminal, and rebel. I don't think it's really hard for you and I to figure out who should be picked in this moment. The obvious choice is Jesus. What has Jesus done other than heal the lame and the sick to help those who are hurting and broken, to help people find freedom and peace, to deliver those who are oppressed? What has Jesus done? Nothing but Barabbas. Oh, Barabbas is guilty. And I think this interruption in the narrative of Jesus is completely intentional because I think what God wanted you and I to understand and realize is the story is really not about Barabbas. The story is actually about me. See, because when I look at the canvas of my life, yeah, I haven't murdered anybody, but Scripture says that if you hate another man in your heart, you've already committed murder. There's blood on my canvas. No, I haven't, I haven't, no, I did lead a rebellion. That's a whole different story. (laughs) I ain't got time for that one. I don't know what your canvas looks like, but here's what I know. Your canvas isn't spotless. And if to stand on trial, if the person to be set free, there was an option between you and Jesus, it would be a very clear candidate for who deserves the cross and who deserves to be released. It's not hard for you and I to figure out that we have sinned and we've made mistakes. 
that this story of Barabbas is really my story. And it's your story today. And maybe you're here and you're trying to wrestle with this whole concept or idea of, of sin and what is sin. I want to read you a passage of scripture in Luke 19. It says this. It says, he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed to be king, and then he returned. So he called 10 of his servants, and he gave them 10 minas. He said, put this money to work until I come back. And then they sent a delegation to him saying, we don't want this man to be our king. Simply put, to sin is to say, God, I don't want you to be my king. In fact, I'd rather have a kingless kingdom or a kingdom where I'm still the one that's in control. And I don't know about you, but for me, I, I've seen plenty of times in, in my life where I've said, hey, God, I know what you say. I know what your word says, and, and that sounds really good, but can I tell you what feels really good? I think I'd rather have a kingless kingdom or at least a kingdom that I'm still in control. The Bible calls that sin. For you and I, it's not hard for us to deduct that we have all sinned against God. One of the names that Jesus carries is King of the Jews. I think it's interesting that in this moment what Pilate is doing is he's offering the Jewish people their king. He's saying when you look at the life of Jesus and you look at the life of Barabbas, it's customary to let somebody go. Which one do you want? Do you want your king? And they say, no, give us Barabbas. I'd rather have the filth, I'd rather have the guilt, I'd rather have the shame than have Jesus. This is sin. What it shows me in my life, and I think a realization that every single one of us have to come to, is that I have rebelled against God. It's not that some of us have rebelled against God, it's that we have all rebelled against God. I've rebelled against God. You've rebelled against God. Every single one of us have rebelled against God. And I think until we understand our rebellion, that's what Romans says, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Until we understand our rebellion, we'll never understand the beauty of grace. Until we come to the point where we realize that we were filthy and messy and yet God chose to die for us, we'll never understand the beauty of what he's done. I've rebelled against the holy God. You've rebelled against the holy God. I think that Pilate picks Barabbas completely on purpose. He saw a guy who was covered in filth, covered in mess and mistakes, and he goes, yeah, they're never going to let that guy go. What he didn't realize is in order for that guy to be let go, the spotless innocent one had to die. So what do they do? It says this in Luke 23, verse 23. But with a loud shout, they insistently demanded that he, being Jesus, be crucified. And their loud shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. And he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and for murder. They asked for Jesus, and he was surrendered to their will. In this moment, what happens is Barabbas, the guilty, the sinful, the murderer, thug, thief, leader of a rebellion, liar, cheat, 
Barabbas is let go. And they take Jesus? Yeah. Because God had to treat Jesus like Barabbas so that he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it like this. For he who made him knew no sin. So, so Jesus knows no sin. He's talking about God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. So what happens in this moment, sometimes you and I think that what God does is he comes in and he throws away our canvas and, and he gives us a new one. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 says, for the old is gone and the new has come. Here's how you get a new canvas. It's not that it's thrown away, it's that you and Jesus actually trade places. That you get what he deserved because he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God had to treat Barabbas like Jesus so that he could treat other way. He tried to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the good news that Jesus takes our rightful place on the cross. It's Jesus. And in this moment, what you and I need to realize is Barabbas was completely guilty. Barabbas deserved to die. Barabbas should have paid for his sins, but they took Jesus instead. That's the beauty of what we celebrate at Easter, that God was willing to take your place. The death that I deserved, he took. The death that I should have had, he took. He changes place with me. So that in him, I could be made new. For some of us today, there's an opportunity for us to realize that God desires to give you everything that he has in Jesus. But it starts by allowing Jesus to take your rightful place. I love what Max Lucado writes in his book, Grace. He says, we are Barabbas. And like him, we deserve to die. Four prison walls thickened with fear, hurt, and hate, they surround us. We're incarcerated by our past, our low road choices, and our high-minded pride. We've been found guilty. We sit on the floor of a dusty cell awaiting for the final moment when our executioner's footsteps echo against stone walls, head between knees. We don't look up as he opens the door. We don't lift our eyes as he begins to speak because we know what he's going to say. It's time to pay for your sins. But instead, we hear something else. You're free to go. They took Jesus instead. The door swings open, the guards bark, get out, and we find ourselves in the light of the morning sun, shackles gone, crimes pardoned, wondering what has happened, grace has happened. For you and I, what we need to understand today is that Jesus took our place. 
You have every ability in the world to pay for your sins yourself if you want to. But know that the payment has already been made on your behalf. One of the theological misconceptions is that, that hell is a place where God sends people to. And that's not the case. Hell is simply a place where people get to go to pay for their sins themselves. God has made the way through Jesus for your sin and my sin to be paid for. And by simply placing our belief and trust in him, the payment is made in full. Christ took away your sins and my sins, but he couldn't just throw them away. He had to die for them. And so he leaves that moment with Barabbas, knowing that the guilty person is set free. He takes the cross on his back, and he marches up to the hill to die. And as he's marching, he's thinking about you. He's thinking about me. As Jesus is marching on his way to the cross, he's thinking of us. With every step, every time he gets tired thinking, maybe this is the last step. Maybe I stop right here. He thinks, no, no, no. Their destiny is in store. Their future awaits. They can have access to God if I die in their place. Romans chapter 3 verse 24 says it this way, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus for when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life by shedding his blood. That's it. It's the whole reason why we've gathered today. It's not overly complicated. We make it too complicated. Romans is clear that Christ died to cover the penalty of your sin and my sin. And by simply believing in Jesus, we're made right with God. God couldn't in overlook your sin lest he endorse it. He didn't punish you or he would destroy you. Instead, God found a way to punish the sin and preserve the sinner by sending Jesus to die for us. Jesus took your punishment on the cross so that God could credit you with his perfection. That's the good news of Easter. And I believe that one of the best things that you and I could do is personalize this message. That Jesus would take your place on the cross so that you could experience all that God has for you. Because I think if you and I don't personalize it, it'll always be the God's gift to the entire world and it will impact you, but it won't change you. It'll make you feel good, but it won't transform your life. What was customary in this culture was for everyone to watch the crucifixion. And so what I believe happened is Barabbas is set free and released and he watches the entire crucifixion. But in Barabbas' perspective, this is different. Because what Barabbas realizes is that that cross Jesus is carrying 
was the cross. If left to it, if he was not the one that was set free and he was the one that was found guilty, that cross was his cross. The third man who was going to be hanging there was him. And as Barabbas is looking up at Jesus hanging on the cross, he's realizing that's where I'm supposed to be. But he's there in my place. And with every nail that was driven into the hands of Jesus, those nails, they were my nails. With every beating that Jesus took, that was mine. Because according to the canvas of my life, I'm guilty. And I deserve to die. But they took Jesus instead. His cross was my cross. The guilt he bore was my guilt. The shame he took was mine. And by simply placing my belief in him, I have the ability to walk in freedom. That is the good news of Jesus. And no matter who you are, or how messy your canvas is, the same Jesus that died for Barabbas died for you. And he died for me. Today, I can be set free by believing that Jesus died for me. For just a moment, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me and and just take a second to personalize this for yourself. His nails were your nails. His death was your death. And on the cross, he's dying in your place so that in him you could have life and life abundantly. I picture a scene of the story that would be ridiculous and crazy to you and I, and it would go a little something like this. They, they unshackle Barabbas' chains, and he says, no! I know they're going to take Jesus, but here's what I want to do. I want to pay for my sins. I know I'm found guilty. I, I know I deserve death, and, and, and yeah, 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 they chose Jesus, but really, I'm the one that should die. Shackle me back up. Take me to the cross. You and I would think, he's crazy. There's no way. Because when you and I understand just what Jesus has done for us, we can't help but accept it. But here's what I know. There are some of us in here today that we are still the kings of our own kingdom. We're still the one who is in control of our own life. We are calling our own shots and you've been found guilty before a holy God but today there's an opportunity for you to receive the free gift of salvation through Jesus no matter who you are or what you've done you have the opportunity to receive his gift by simply believing 
that Jesus died for you to pay for your sins. And the moment you place your belief in him, I can't promise you that you'll never have bad days. I can't tell you that your life will be perfect. But here's what I will tell you. The chains and the shackles of guilt and sin will fall off of your life. And you'll have the ability to walk in freedom. For some of you in this moment right now, you feel God pulling and drawing on your heart to respond. And you don't know what to respond to. Scripture teaches us that God is drawing you to a place of repentance where you turn from where you're at in your life, the king of your own kingdom, and you surrender control to God. Say, God, I want you to be my king. Thank you for dying in my place. For just a moment, as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, if you're in here today and you say, I... I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to accept the fact that he took what I deserved and receive everything he deserved. If that's you today, for just a moment, would you boldly lift your hand in the air? I see those. I see those. All across this room, there are hands up. Here's what I want to do, church. Nobody's going to pray alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Will you stand and help me celebrate with those who just crossed over from death to life? who are entering into the kingdom of God and are forever changed. There's nothing more powerful than lives changed by Jesus. I believe that there are some of you in here still today who you've already placed your hope and trust in Jesus, but you're still carrying the guilt and the shame of your past mistakes. And Jesus not only died for your past, he died for your current and he died for your future. Today's the day where you lay it at the feet of Jesus, realizing that everything he died for was to cover your guilt, your shame, and your mess. And we're going to sing a song now called Won't Stop Now, and we're going to celebrate the fact that, man, God is not done with you. He's not finished moving in your life. And in him, your best days have yet to come. Let's worship.